Welcome, friends and fiends. This is your host, film critic and comedian, Nate Wyckoff. And I'm here to tell you about an exciting giveaway that Warner Brothers Discovery and Colton Classic Films LLC has put together to build your 4K Ultra HD film collection on digital. We are giving away four codes which contain digital 4K Ultra HD versions of Rebel Without a Cause, Maltese Falcon, and Cool Hand Luke. These are films that you absolutely must know as a film buff. You can get this code by being one of the lucky four people we pull from our newsletter list. So go to coltonclassicfilms.com slash newsletter and give us your email and your name and we'll sign you up for the newsletter and we will enter you in the competition. That's all you got to do. So please go ahead and do that. The contest ends on April 30th and we will send out the winning codes on May 1st. Thank you so much for being a listener. And here's your episode of Colton Classic Films Podcast. Welcome to Colton Classic. <laughs> Welcome, friends and fiends, to another episode of Cult and Classic Podcast, the podcast where we bring you two thematically linked films, one mainstream and one cult, and talk about and compare them both. Now, this is one of those special times when we break that formula to bring you your holiday Star Wars specials. That's right. We have a tendency to talk Star Wars, uh, especially during Thanksgiving time. So we've got a two-part episode with two Star Wars films that we'll be talking about to get you hungry for some turkey or Western culture genocide. I don't know, whatever you want to call this holiday. But anyway... I am your host, film critic and comedian Nate Wyckoff, and with me I have Tad Masteroni. How are you doing, Tad? Star Wars is creativity genocide. Oh well, maybe we'll talk about it. Uh, <laughs> I we have I love Star Wars. I, I love it madly, um, but I do have things to talk about with these movies. And Mandy Longley, how are you doing, Mandy? I'm good. Um, I'm gonna try out a new strategy where you know how like you listen to podcasts while you do your chores well, i'm gonna like podcast while i do my chores and we'll see how that works out tonight <laughs> yeah time time we, we're actually recording at a different uh a non-normal scheduled time for us uh, we're trying to get a guest on here but we'll have to save that for another time and get him on at a, at a future date but luckily we have plenty to talk about this time because we've covered the prequel trilogy of star wars and we've covered the original three uh star wars films uh from the 70s 70s and 80s so what does that leave well lots but we're going to go with the one-off star wars films and i want to mention too we also talked the ewoks movies as well and the star wars holiday special we've done so much star wars it's brilliant so today we are talking about part one in this star wars one-off episode uh double feature with rogue one a star wars story from 2016 rogue one a star wars story now this is pretty topical uh, at the moment because as as we're recording this podcast uh, disney plus has launched the first few episodes of the prequel to this movie series called andor following one of the characters cash and andor and tad's making a face those of you not watching uh, on youtube can't see that uh i have thoughts on it and then next episode we will talk about solo a star wars story from two years later 2018 now if if you're not a huge Star Wars fan or you don't see them in theaters, you see them after the fact, you might not know. This was Disney's initial plan with Star Wars was to do a trilogy. And then in between years when the trilogy, uh, the next installment was filming and in post-production, they would do a one-off movie. Uh, so they had um, Star Wars A Force Awakens, which was the the Skywalker trilogy's first film uh, in, in 2014. 
15 and then the next year for the holidays they launched rogue one a star wars story and then the following year 2017 they did uh um, the second of the skywalker trilogy which was called wow oh uh, it's blowing my brain but anyway is it was it that bad that you had to forget that it existed no the second one was actually fine i have things to talk about that but we'll cover that on another day and then the third one was um uh i think uh rise of skywalker or something along those lines anyway the the subtitles are unimportant for those films but regardless (laughs) that is not indicative of what i think about the no that's not indicative that's indicative to me of exactly where it is it is not The, the the i i i will disagree because the subtitles on star wars trilogy films are kind of unimportant i mean the original star wars film did not was not launched with uh uh the marketing title it it would have been bizarre by the way to launch which it was bizarre anyway to launch part four first but it's kind of because part four was actually where the story began anyway we've talked about the prequel trilogy um but phantom menace uh attack of the clones they're so loosely related uh to they're really obtuse it doesn't matter what the thing is it's just it's star wars one two three four five six seven eight blah 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 blah. so the difference is as the off-year films rogue one a star wars story and solo a star wars story now we're going to talk about rogue one right now but the thing i want to say is these two films had had they were relatively successful um, monetarily, but critically, this first film, Rogue One, actually was well-received, and it was well-received by fans for the most part. And then Solo had a troubled production, and it was uh, not well-received by critics, but it was well-received by fans. But as is often the case, those pesky critics, I know I'm one of them, uh, not in this case, however, they they really tr- damaged the... Um, the sales of tickets for Solo's theatrical run. And because of that, Disney decided to stop doing these one-off films. There were quite a few in the works, Boba Fett, other things in pre-production. And since then, they have shifted to their Disney Plus limited series formula, uh, which has given us the Mandalorian series, which I think we can all agree is pretty pretty excellent. Um, Book of Boba Fett, which I really enjoyed. It picked up, but again, it was a little uneven. And now we have, there's a couple of animated ones as well. And now we have Andor, um, which I'm sure we will cover at some point in the future. This movie, Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, is yet another prequel. It is a prequel to Star Wars episode four new hope which is the first star wars film yes i know we already got the prequel trilogy but this is actually kind of really close to the time right before uh star wars launches and the plot is that a group of people discover that the empire which is fighting against the rebellion across this galaxy to you know become the ultimate power has developed a planet killing weapon which we know is the death star it can blow up a planet it's like a giant ship that looks like a little planet now, I know I'm saying this, it's ridiculous. Every listener here knows what the Death Star is. Uh, but <clears throat> this movie is about the plans, stealing them and sending them out. Uh, and those plans are what Princess Leia sends with R2-D2 at the beginning of um, the first launch Star Wars movie, A New Hope. And, and R2-D2 then goes to uh, try and find Obi-Wan, comes across Luke, and they go on their adventure. So this is how those plans got to R2-D2. I guess there's a lot of... This is this is a war movie, according to the director, um, who is um, a, a competent 
director. Uh, he hasn't directed a ton of features, but they have been large features. Gareth Edwards, he directed Godzilla in 2014 before this. Uh, and the cast is, it's a pretty solid cast. We have Felicity Jones, who plays um, Jin, who is kind of the lead. Diego Luna plays the other lead, Cash and Andor, uh, who's, who's uh, you know, the, the character that now has a series prequel to this movie on Disney+. And then we have Alan Tudyk uh, as the droid K2SO, who is, fans will recognize him probably most readily from uh, the the uh why am i blanking on this this the other firefly. space western firefly, firefly thank you firefly <laughs> um we have donnie yen in there martial arts excellence uh he plays um Trute, who we'll talk about uh there's 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 a lot i mean we have jimmy smith's in there again um allison petrie uh mads mickelson riz ahmed does a good job forrest whitaker i mean there's there's so many um wen jong plays um Boz. So the reason we have so many characters is because, yes, in a sense, this is a war movie in the flavor of Dirty Dozen, Inglorious Bastards, the originals. Like it's a group of people who kind of go into an impossible situation and they have one goal. It's basically it's a suicide mission. It is, in fact, this is sort of the Star Wars Suicide Squad movie. Um, whether it's as even as that or vice versa, we there's discussion to be had. The plot itself is that Jin's father is the one who developed the Death Star. Uh, and he actually is trying, he's tried to leave the Empire, but he's the one that built in the uh, the imperfection that allows Luke Skywalker to blow up the Death Star and, and other TIE fi or X-Wing pilots to try and blow up the Death Stars. Uh, that That's because of her father, so uh, who's played by Mads Mikkelsen. But she is basically orphaned early on. She's raised by Forrest Whitaker's character, and he clearly got this role based on his performance as Idi Amin in Last King of Scotland because he plays kind of a crazy warlord. Um, Diego Luna plays the sort of seemingly soulless spy for the rebellion you know the i've done terrible things you wouldn't believe uh but all in the name of good that sort of character and then donnie yen plays a zatoichi character and if you don't know what that is it's a famous um series of films and there's been reboots from japanese cinema with a blind swordsman there's often elements of comedy he plays that very well apparently the the choice to be blind was was his idea in, in early production riz ahmed plays a defector who they say is crazy but i i didn't really see that um and there's just so many other so many other characters in here we also get um the de-aged or in the case of uh, uh admiral tarkin then he's, he's something else tarkin at this point but anyway we get uh, peter cushing's 3d reanimated corpse uh Funny in this corpse. movie as as well as he uh, seems to have that uh habit now well, so here's just as a quick thing. I don't think it worked that well in this film. It was a little too heavy. Guy Henry does the voice. Um, I don't think his voice was Peter Cushing and it, it was close enough, I guess. But as a huge Peter Cushing fan, having watched him as Van Helsing and in all these Hammer movies and Amicus films, um, I, I just have to get it good enough. 
because that's, it's only a passing scene really like it just but we see scene. him too much like that's my thing the the technology is impressive but now it's actually pretty good at this point in time good but not great this was a test this cartoon. was a test bed for it. it was a test run and it, that it goes into a lot of what i have to say about this movie in general um it, well let's go into tad what did you because when this came out, everyone was kind of in love of it with it. They were like, um, uh, everyone said Rogue One is finally a good Star Wars movie. Because although Force Awakens did really well and a lot of people liked it, it was very heavily a sort of reimagining of A New Hope. Um, you know, it, it treaded a lot of the same ground. Whereas people were like, oh, this one is a separate story. It doesn't have those characters in it directly. And uh, it's it's its own thing. What was your take seeing this movie? Did you see it in theaters? What was your take seeing it now? I sure did. I saw it opening day. And the main reason why I was excited for this is because it was not The Force Awakens. I, as the contrarian that I typically am, was not in love with The Force Awakens when I saw it. I walked out feeling pretty much the same that I did uh, that time we, we walked out of Attack of the Clones. I went, what the fuck? That's it? This is what I get? Um, it's, it, it don't, don't get me started on what happened afterwards. But uh, this, had, this is the thing that gave me hope for how they were going to be doing Star Wars going forward because one of the things I really wanted them to do with the sequel trilogy was to move away from the whole like and i love the mysticism and the and the 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 pseudo religious aspects of star wars some of the stuff that i still do love about the old movies to this day even though i am uh like i like i said in our in our last thanksgiving episode trying to break away from the church um this was a movie that i needed i needed a movie that told a story that was not about jedi was not about the skywalkers i needed something that was a different part of the universe because as i went on a rant about i'm used to listening to star wars stories especially from the 90s the 80s and 90s that weren't about that that were like it's a big galaxy there's other things going on and frankly the war the or the effects of the war to me was much more interesting than what happened in the original trilogy and i feel like a lot of that got cast away because people were not willing to go back and revisit those after they purged the canon. Um, that's why man people like Mandalorian, as far as I'm concerned, because it finally decided to tell a different story that was about something else. It had tangential relation to what was going on, but people needed something fresh and new. And even though this wasn't fresh, and I was kind of disappointed when this movie was announced, because like many nerds back in the 90s, I grew up with Dark Forces. This story had been told. I was told about Kyle Katarn, who was a badass and one of the best extended universe characters that was ever created. And uh, nope, tossed aside. And I get it because not everyone can just be a hero like Han Solo that just walks in, blasts everybody, walks out. It's like he's flipping everybody off while he's walking out. The idea is, is that they're trying to make this a little more grounded, I think. That it's like it took a team of people, it took a lot of uh, espionage and a lot of a lot of a lot of moving parts essentially in the rebellion to get this happening. And I absolutely got behind that once I watched the movie. And despite the fact that I think there were some plot holes 
and a little mediocre writing in some of the parts and a little bit of mediocre character development. Um, so overall, I, I rewatch it and I still think this is actually one of my top Star Wars movies. Like it's, it's hard to beat New Hope and Empire, but this is above Jedi. Like, I think this is my third favorite Star Wars movie. And that says a lot coming from me. I think it's a solid movie. And I absolutely, there are, there are things in this movie that I still quote. I will still walk around and go, uh, I am one with the force and the force is with me. Or uh, I, I've already forgotten how it's supposed to go, <laughs> but you see what with I mean. And I am with the force. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I really, now that you think, now that I think about it, I would love uh, if they wanted to revisit the Jedi stuff, but make a, a Star Wars samurai movie, like an, a legit, like Kurosawa style samurai movie, not like, hinting at it like you know the original trilogy did they definitely took a whole lot of inspiration from that just go in and do it just kind of like the mandalorian did with i with, wouldn't be with western with westerns yeah because that was yeah. another of you know the big the big inspirations for lucas for was westerns and i i i wouldn't be surprised if we if we got that um ashoka might be that who knows uh we'll see it almost would fit um mandy did you see this movie previously and what is, uh, having watched it this time, what's your vibe on Rogue One? I did see this previously, and I believe I did go to see it in theaters when it came out. Um, I was also similarly that excited that we were going to see something that was kind of new, that did not look like the garbage of episodes one, two, and three. Um, I wasn't really following anything that was being put out kind of in between, like any of the animated stuff. It wasn't like... So to me, this felt like, oh, yay, new Star Wars film. Um, I did go to see, um, oh, what would you just said? The, the new New Hope. Like the one that doesn't Force need Awakens. Force Awakens. Because <laughs> it was just yes. a reboot of New Hope. So I saw the remake of A New Hope. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Like, that was cool. But, like, it just also felt, like, super predictable. And like, like, so also what? not... Like, kind of like, so what? Like, I can kind of see, like, one of five tracks or, like, the five tracks that they could take this down, like, having seen this first film, like, filling in the rest of them. And I just don't care <laughs> is how I felt at the end um, of Force Awakens. And then this one, it was really felt like a fun sort of, like, bite-sized, like, slice of the stories that we love not exactly 100% just like a remake or like a reserve of storylines that we've seen before. Although a lot of the elements were there because it's like same universe, whatever, right? But like this one felt more fun and maybe it's because it wasn't supposed to go anywhere. Like it ends where we start, right? Like you guys said, like it ends like right where um, New Hope starts. Um, and like perhaps that felt good in that way. So I wasn't unhappy when I saw this in theaters. Like re-watching it, it felt a lot of similar things. Um, and maybe noticed some more stuff that was a little bit annoying about this one, which now I can't even remember because I watched it like a week ago. Like I'm like, cause they were just not that annoying. Um, and then like uh a, oh Carrie Fisher, like the fake Carrie Fisher yeah, face in the, the end. The fake Carrie Fisher, I, yeah. There I was another being... uh, Tarkin I, moment. We were we were we were alluding to that, but I wasn't. Uh, I, I remember thinking it was kind of cool when I saw it in theaters and being excited because I'd like heard about it or it was like teased. And then when I saw it again, like on even just like my small non high def tel 
TV at home, I was like, oh, that does not look good at all. Like, like I thought that that looked better when it first came out. So, and you know, uh, it is the yeah, time. Anyway, I mean, it was like, like Tad said, it was test. They were clearly testing yeah. the technology, and then they they furthered it later on. Yeah. As far as that go, I mean, especially with Tarkin finding somebody who is kind of a Peter Cushing lookalike and maybe doing prosthetics would have been much superior to me. Um, but using Carrie Fisher and de-aging her in more subtle ways probably would have been more effective. Um, I, it's interesting. You guys say that you, this is what I heard from a lot of people with rogue one too, especially when it came out was finally something different, something new. This is a spoiler. Um, I don't like this movie. Um, I saw it in theaters and I was like, it's okay, but I was a little disappointed. And then seeing it a second time, I kind of see where you're coming from, Andy. I actually think this is not worth a second watch. It's one of the few ones where I actually think it quite degrades after seeing it the first time. But I'll go over my reasoning for this. As much as things like Force Awakens are indeed, as you said, and so many have before, which in many ways is true, it is a reboot of A New Hope, right, with 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 ran in place of of luke this movie is in so derivative in every element to me that i just get bored it's two and it's two hours and 15 minutes and um it's like everything is in its place but none of the parts are compelling for me um, especially the two leads i really did not have any interest in our two leads and or is just an unlikable spy and Jin is i don't it has this sort cardboard. of moment huh cardboard, cardboard. right yeah. she's just they're both shells she um is. and well because and it's weird because they have that like it's like the not as extreme but like the twilight moment when like why does everybody like this lady um jen isn't like awful she's not an awful person but there's no charisma or magnetism so when she gives these speeches and fires people up near the end it's very out of nowhere and it seems very weird like i expect it would have been smarter in a way if they'd had her fail spectacularly at these speeches because she's clearly not uh this i don't know what she's there for like she's, she's harry potter without being the chosen one right like it's just it's kind of a mary sue but you don't even want to be her so it's not really a mary sue like it's not a placeholder um i get i get what it's because i had the same complaint but i have the same complaint about ray wow what a what a hot take um my issue well i mean i think my biggest issue with this movie which will probably mirror yours is everything about this movie that's good is outside of essentially the main cast of characters because Sharut is awesome. Like he's my favorite character in this movie mm-hmm. and he's a bit character who is essentially- Who's also been done a hundred times. He's done right. well, Donnie Yen is great. Yeah, um, because, and I love, that's why I, lo- I was like, oh good, a, mo- a Star Wars movie with Donnie Yen where Donnie Yen will thankfully uh, breathe a little life into this dull cast. Like that's the thing. I was able to forgive the dull cast because the the framing story around it and everything that happened was more compelling than the characters. I was able I mean, to it's basically the script's fault, right? I, I like mean, I think these people rewrites. can't act. Yeah. I've heard I've heard a lot of stories about the rewrites to this, and I'm sure they probably had a more compelling role for Jin, and they wanted to play it safe, and unfortunately, they probably played it too safe. Well, and you know they always cram in. I mean, we'll. We'll we'll talk about solo because his rewrites are are crazy. Oh um, boy! But but Rogue One, 
it it's not i mean i it's sort of wild because not only do i feel like all the elements in rogue one and all of the plot moments and everything have been in a million other movies that they just kind of took as they felt i actually feel like as you guys were saying with force awakens they've been done in star wars um, so like not only, and I think part of it too, is because we have things like, uh, later film solo, but also the Mandalorian and so on. I, this niche that this movie seems to have filled, I don't think is vacant anymore. And there's far superior ways to get this entertainment. But I, I, I found this film, as I said, boring in a way, it's also very dull and the plot doesn't make a lot of sense. Like the, the general arc of the plot is that they, the the rebels break Jen out of prison. We don't know why she's there. We know she's been a con artist, whatever, but we don't have any background for her at all. She's a complete blank slate. Um, she's like Jesus, in fact. We only learn about her entire life, even in the slightest bit, until 15 or 16, and then nothing else. Um, and then they break her out because they're like, hey, your dad is like this guy building a thing and he has you have relations and he had relations with this warlord who broke off from the rebellion but we need information from him and that's Forrest Whitaker and so it's sort of them dragging her to there and then to the next spot to get her dad and so on and so forth so it's just which you know you could say that about a lot of movies right every time they get a new piece of information they have to go to a new location but as an s which as an espionage thing there's no espionage in this movie uh until they act like until they the espionage doesn't actually occur until they steal the plans and send them and then that actually is a new hope's job i mean that's a classic that's a classic star wars thing all the espionage happens off screens and bothans died oh well yeah so and and there's a lot there are a lot of easter eggs Um, most of them you'd have to look up they're not easter eggs like oh i saw this guy although there are some of those it's weird really obscure stuff like oh wow during production they found an old reel with unused footage from episode four and uh of red leader and gold leader and they they digitally superimposed it over their current graphics to get that in there i mean that's a cool factoid it doesn't add anything for me um, I guess my biggest thing is, as Tad said, I didn't find anything new with this because there are zero risks. In fact, they go to planets we've never heard of that look identical to several planets we've seen over and over again in Star Wars, right? Like we didn't even You mean Jackoween? <laughs> we didn't even get like we didn't even get a Dagobah. Like there's no swamp, there's nothing. It's just deserts. Like, and at, the, at a certain point, why is the empire fighting on these places they're garbage dumps it doesn't make any sense when you think about it it just makes no sense um the elements so between the unlikable characters and the lack of originality i was underwhelmed but there's another problem with this that actually hurt me much more because i can handle a side story that has limited um appeal especially in a universe that i love like star wars which is the ending of this now the ending of this, and this is this isn't really a spoiler because if you're interested in Star Wars, you probably know how these things go. But the entire planet, or at least a chunk of the planet that our heroes are on after they've taken the plans and sent them to the rebellion, it blows up. Everyone um, dies. So they all die. <laughs> um, which again, it's like a parallel to quite a few um, uh, war films, Inglorious Bastards, etc. Um, but the problem is, is that as a side story, I feel like there are only two reasons to tell you. One, the story is great. 
the story here is not great. It's been done a million times. You can see it coming. Even if you don't know the steps along the way, you know they're going to get the plans. Even if you didn't have a new hope, you know that they're going to get the plans, okay? That's literally like, even if there were, you'd never seen Star Wars and knew nothing about it, you knew they were going to get the plans. It wasn't going to be a whoops, we failed, end of movie. So you know that's going to happen. So the story is just not that engaging that way. The other reason to tell a side story is that you have new things injected into the mythos of the other films that can be carried forward. Like, oh, wait, this character, and then they can pop in. Star Wars is famous for that, just like comic books, right? You have a character that appeared in 1986, and somebody discovers it in 2022 and says, ho, 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 Frogman's coming back, right? Like, <laughs> I know he, he's been used many times, but just as an example. So you can do that. But in effect, by destroying everything in this movie and having the only other players, people that we already seen from the other movies and only in bit parts, you've sort of you've basically said, and now, you know, the story that is as unimportant as it appeared, which is why it was text in the beginning of A New Hope. Um, and that I, I don't like that because it was a wasted effort for me. And the problem, and again, if you really loved the characters, if you really felt for them, it would be a, perhaps a different story, um, but they're just too, they're too stock. These are all stock characters. We have the um, the wise Asian character who's good at martial arts and spouts pseudo-Confucius stuff. Like, I'm not saying I don't enjoy Donnie Yen and his performance. He's a delight and he was awesome in it, but it is a stereotype. We know this character as soon as he's introduced. Um, we also have the uh, the tank, right? His friend who's a protector, who's just the tank character. He just has the big gun. We have um, the little Weasley one who's a little bonkier than the brain, but he's a pilot, right? I mean, we're talking A-team here. Uh, Riz Ahmed, again, great, but he's supposed to have been driven crazy by <laughs> the Star Wars uh, mind flayer, basically. Um, and he doesn't, he's just a little wonky for a little bit. I mean, I was worse than that with COVID before I came out of it, right? So you have all these characters they're very stock and you and then you kill everybody you make sure like there's really nothing there's there's like there's not even an opportunity that someone would be alive here to be honest um and so you're like okay i can't carry anything after this movie so i don't really understand i already knew it was going to happen and it doesn't change anything or add anything that could be done to change the future which is and and to back this up is the fact that they're doing the Andor series on Disney Plus, the prequel to this movie, because you can't possibly do anything after this movie that has any impact on the universe. There's nothing left. Nathan. It was... Nathan, the movie was a tech demo, and there's nothing wrong with that. It was, hey, we want to do some really cool scenes of X-Wings flying in this, into... I don't think they were that impressive. And, 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 and Death Stars in new angles that we've never seen before, and... What it it's still better than Force Awakens. I Force disagree. Awakens had no substance to it whatsoever. Where at least this movie, it's like at well, least at least it was open ended, right? At least it was open ended. It because, was op it and, was open ended. And, it's not anymore. And we got that. We'll talk about that when it comes up. But we did also <laughs> get that really cool scene in the beginning. It's like it's pod racer coolness moment when we have Rin like flying and jumping yes. through the shell of a ship. We didn't get that in this. And here's what I'm talking about. There's one scene that I love in this, um, which is, and by the way, uh, Edward's director, visual effects guy, um, and the screenwriters were also visual effects people. So they I, knew what they were doing. So how am I but, wrong here? <laughs> you're wrong. If they're all the visual effects guys. They went, ooh, what if they took a whole art book and went, I've can seen we make a movie out of this art book? 
Yes, we can. Okay, so let's discuss the poster for a minute. The poster is gray-blue. Everything in this movie is gray-blue. It, it is. Sure if you is. think the Matrix is color-heavy in its saturation, this movie is just blue. And it goes to the space scenes as well. Like, I love TIE Fighters. I love X-Wings. The one scene that I think was worth this whole thing was when uh, 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 Corellian Hammerhead Corvette, which is actually a new ship, although they had the Corvette. The Hammerhead Corvette has a big blunt front, and it hits. Not new. Not new. The Hammerhead's not new? Okay. Not fair. new. Okay, fair. Um, but they've mentioned, <laughs> but we actually get to see a lot of the ship. That's actually one thing. When the Rebellion shows up, we get to see basically every ship from the the Star Wars canon of this era. But we get this ship that knocks a dead-in-the-water Star Destroyer into another Star Destroyer, and it shaves the whole top off. That was beautiful because it really did Absolutely. give you a sense of scale. And there's another shot or two of the Death Star when they're viewing the Death Star through the porthole windows of, or actually they're like wall windows of a Star Destroyer, that the scale is nice. But again, it first off, I'm sorry, it actually doesn't look as good as the models. With different things, like when you're when the Star Destroyers collide, you can't do that with models. That was impressive and beautiful. When you're looking at the Death Star, if you actually really wanted to, like if they'd done it in the Mandalorian, they probably would have had a practical model and and done it. Um, and it would have been better. I'm not saying it wasn't good. The graphics are quite good, even on the even on the the facial recreations, which I wasn't a huge fan of. Um, they they were good. They're very good. Um, but I just, it, I didn't see, like, you could really, like, why, if we're getting the space, I'm surprised you'd like that, because there's no dogfighting. Like, really you, just, you just, really you just, you get static shots. It was, it was naval space combat. Game. It was naval combat. It was, was video, it was video game naval combat. Yes. It was one so, screen, one camera of a field. Like, it was playing a 4X strategy game. Um, that's that's how things are going. I mean, look at look at it this way. Let me let me let me give you a little uh, a little analogy here. Remember Last Jedi? You remember how beautiful that scene was with the hyperspace ram and mm -hmm. the the experience you had in the theater when everyone was like, "Wow!" And you're like, "Wow, this is one of the most beautiful, vis visually stunning scenes I've ever seen in a Star Wars film." And then it's over, and you went, "Oh, it's like OnlyFans. I paid twelve dollars to see something really cool, and then I forget about it fifteen minutes later." That's what it feels. But like. I don't think this movie had things that cool. Like I've seen every, <laughs> except for that one scene. It was cool at scene, the time, Nate. I disagree. This, this, I this disagree. movie, as far as I'm concerned, had better naval combat than anything in Force Awakens had. Force Awakens, I was like, huh, if only there was something more of substance aside from watching a bunch of planets explode. And then I went, oh, Dad, cool, actual naval combat in this movie. Naval combat is boring, which is why we don't have naval combat movies right now. But I'm not saying that it doesn't have its place. I'm saying that it wasn't even done as well as it should have been. For example, if you want to give us naval combat, how come we've never seen any of the gunner controls in a Star Destroyer? The fuck is happening? Yep. Wait a minute. It's just one We did room. see him in the Death Star, though. You did see him in the Death Star. You did see him in the Death Star, which guess what? That's exactly what you'd see in a Star Destroyer too. It's a guy sitting at a at a at a at a chair going boom, 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 boom. Why aren't there more of them? So they, now we're gonna get. I want to mention this though before we go on, because again, I don't think there's anything new in this movie, and I didn't find it compelling, and I was disappointed when I came out of the theater because of how closed it was. I mean, I I enjoyed watching it, 
to a point like I, I didn't walk out but I was disappointed at the end but rewatching it I'm I'm over it I, I really am not interested in this movie but uh even yes it's a ridiculous trope of Star Wars that they overuse especially in the Skywalker trilogy but still the droid was great in this movie as it is in every Star Wars yes. K2SO K2 was just a delight his like I actually loved that it really solidified before anything else uh, before solo before um the rest of the skywalker trilogy it solidified the fact that the rebellion basically has dysfunctional neurotic droids like that is they're 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 ex they're extreme exemplifications of neurotic people and i loved that um, because he's a delight he's fun also i gotta give it he is the best design element in this movie yeah. um he makes sense from us from a design standpoint because he's heavily shielded um i don't know why a strategic droid would would be that large but who knows maybe he's an in he's clearly an in the field strategic droid right he's not just sitting but his, his little lamp lights that move inside his head the tiny inside his black shell head great like it allows you to give this sense of emotion without any facial feature, really. It's a it's another feature of Star Wars that I used to love is you always got the impression, especially when you were reading the old media, that mm. the 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 galaxy as it was in the state when the Galactic Civil War happened is that there was a huge renaissance of AI and robotics that essentially was lost. And you get that weird feeling that a lot of it was kind of lost. Like mm -hmm. Um, cause let's face it, the robots in star Wars are far more compelling than a lot of the people like R2D2 and always Lucas always, always said that 3PO and R2D2 were actually the main protagonists of star Wars. And every time we get a good, like think of HK 47 from, um, uh, old Republic. Mm -hmm. He's a fan favorite because he's a serial killer robot, but he also right. is just sociopathic enough that he, will tolerate your existence as long as you're <clears throat> useful to him and he also has a great sense of humor why do you think the people that are making these movies are only taking the chances on those characters because they're doing it is it part of the trope mm -hmm. at this point so they're like oh we gotta have like some they're creatively they robot bots, or is it I, like the only place that, that they too. have like i don't know like leeway or creativity in these movies well, anymore I think there's two reasons and you kind of touched on it. I don't think it's creative bankruptcy because there are plenty of alternative options. I mean, I, I know you're not a fan of Zack Snyder, but we'll see what Zack Snyder's star Wars movie is going to be because you know, they canceled it, but he's moved it to Netflix and supposedly it's, it's going to be quite bizarre. Um, but that's a good thing to bring up. I think the problem is, is that it's not even that they're taking the risk with these characters so much. It's that, it's it's one of the few places to inject personality in a formula that Disney and not just Disney. Um, Lucas Arts had its share of this as well, although I think Disney is a much more powerful entity in this way of controlling the product. They don't want to take risks, right, on a large scale. A large scale being a movie. Um, they can take more risks in a streaming series because the cost is so much lower. And they're using the same equipment and same tech that they're using to make the next three series as well. So they're not really losing that that money as as clearly as they would when they make, say, Rogue One or Solo. Um, so I think that it's it's really a monetary risk. 
Also, the second part of that is I think that the creators and or people in charge with creative control are scared to touch it because Star Wars is it's that too big to fail concept that Tad you've mentioned so many times where if we take risks, it might not feel like Star Wars and fans will be angry. Here's the thing I will tell you, everyone out there who has any opportunity to make or touch Star Wars, whether it's the comics, books, fan films, uh, or, or official uh, Lucas films, movies, and TV shows, fans will hate you no matter what you do. Correct. Star Wars is the most toxic fandom there is in history. You awesome. cannot win. So what you can do is tell a great story, regardless of how much it connects you feel or afraid of with every other Star Wars film, because that's what we've been talking about is the problem with things like Force Awakens, which I did enjoy, but I understand the, the issues and concerns and it did what it set out to do. But what it set out to do is not necessarily what it could have done. Rogue One is the same thing. Nothing is new about it. This they Edward set out to make a movie based on previous war films because Star Wars has wars going on at the same time. That's the big part of it. Um, and he did that. He could have injected more originality. It could have been more interesting. I also feel like they did things like they took for concept um, scenes from uh, Vietnam War and they they literally like you know modeled in. Uh, Empire and Rebellion characters into it, into those scenes and tried to reuse those to guide how they filmed. Guess what? It's not that interesting uh, in the grand scheme of things. It's not that it's not realistic. You tried something, but you're you're mistaking a concept of high art with your commercial product. You can have both coexist, but not because of an idea like that. Not because of just a little teeny like, ooh, look at this idea. We did this. First off, you have to explain it. It's going to fail if you have to explain it. Um, second, we don't get a lot of aliens in this. We get some, and the ones we do get are pretty good. Um, we mostly get ones that we've seen before, either the actual characters in the background that we see later in movies or just the same species. Um, but that also, to me, did hurt it a little bit. Not that it didn't. It's a plot-driven film, so the plot drives it more than the characters, as we've discussed. But... You could have gone farther because realism does not mean limiting the aliens in Star Wars. Realism means writing characters we believe. Um, that will make it feel real. There's a reason Shape of Water made people sob in the theater. Because Guillermo del Toro said, I can make people feel for this non-speaking fish person. I can make them sob because of the pain and, and loneliness of this human and this non-human creature. That's where realism comes to play. Realism does not exist because you said, look, it's all people. Uh, a Tommy Wiseau movie doesn't have any aliens either. It is not real life. Um, so, you know, and, and, and I love Tommy Wiseau. So I'm just saying that there, there's mistakes here. And I do think a lot of it probably came from production. Um, but I think it's biggest sin for me that, and we're going to move into recommendations here. I, If you haven't seen it and you love Star Wars, watch it. You'll be engaged. If you've seen it once and you're like, uh, maybe I should watch it again. I don't think you'll like it as much. Um, and if you're me or if you love Star Wars, but you're not, it's not a necessity that you consume every aspect of it. Skip it. Skip it and watch another Star Wars. Watch Mandalorian again. You're going to catch so many more Easter eggs. you got good characters. You have better effects because it's a new generation and 
it takes a few risks to give you new things. Even if they're not new ideas, they're new things in the universe, like um, the cult of the Mandalorians, right? Like you get these things that are hinted at, but they're new. You'll get nothing new in Rogue One. Absolutely nothing. Uh, and I will watch Andor and I will see, but I am skeptical of um, this concept of digging back. It's like it's committing the sin that Tad said this movie broke, right? That gave you hope, right? It's committing the sin of going back and telling us things that are unnecessary about characters that are unnecessary about a thing that already like <laughs> the climax is up there. We move beyond. Let's go. Um, we'll move to this. Tad, do you recommend Rogue One from 2016, A Star Wars Story? If so, why and to who? I do, but because of my perspective as someone who has been in the fandom for far too long and consumed too much of the media, this, for me, again, was a movie that was placed at the perfect time after The Force Awakens that was, for me, immensely disappointing. And lo and behold, continued to be disappointing after the fact. Um, at least this movie was a, a grounding point. That's, that's the best way for me to put this movie. It's a grounding point because it's not as, um, I, and I use the term creatively bankrupt, Nathan, for a very good reason, because I associate creatively bankrupt with people who are absolutely unwilling to take risks. And if you're going to buy a $4 billion property, you better goddamn either know how to write it properly or you better be able to take some risks. And that's another Last Jedi conversation that somehow we never ever seem to fully get to. But Well, because we uh, haven't touched the trilogy in, in episodes yet. But uh, yeah, I will say it sort of reminds me, you're giving like the ex-Mormons for Jesus speech, right? Like the, yeah. the look, I got out, but here's why I like this. So I can understand yeah. that. Um, I also will say it, your discussion reminds me, it's a very niche argument, which I'm not saying you're wrong but it's going to appeal to a very as you suggested a very niche audience it's like if, if you watch if you watch right if you watch this and we all are to some extent if you watch the show great north uh, uh nick offerman's character the dad beef tobin he's like very straightforward and he's like uh and they're like why don't you join a book club and he's like i got kicked out of the only book club in lone moose when we talked about girl on a train they said i was talking too much about the train like it's like <laughs> you know what i mean like you're focusing on a very specific element and i get that um and, okay mandy would you recommend rogue one a star wars story from 2016 if so why and to who i mean we kind of covered it all i this is one that is sort of like if it's on sure well, like, maybe not. I mean, they put the amount of effort into seeing this that they put into making it. Okay. Uh, I, I can see that as, as sort of... I mean, <laughs> it's it's funny that people... Because to me, this is also the biggest bummer Star Wars movie. Like, I think I think Force Awakens was cut kind of, is is and this is a spoiler alert if you haven't seen Han Solo passing. That's in Force Awakens, right? It's near the end of Force Awakens. Okay. Force Awakens is kind of a bummer because of that. Rogue One is just a big bummer. And it's not just that everybody dies at the end. It's that they just consistently introduce a character to not develop it and kill it off every step of the way. Like, uh, they wasted Forrest Whitaker in this movie. Um, they they pretty much wasted every single person that came through the door to me. Um, so as I said, this is not a recommend for me, except if you're a completionist, if you haven't I, seen it. I but... kept waiting, speaking of famous people, or reason, I kept waiting for Tom Hanks to wander through like the terminal because of 
<laughs> and casting choices. Right, yeah. And all of the airplanes, well, nice. spaceships and stuff. I just really, really wanted them to, you know, like pay Tom he's, Hanks to like wander yeah. through. He's just in his terminal. Mr. Banks outfit. He just takes his hat yes. off and puts it on his chest and just wanders through staring at everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I could totally have seen that. I, I think, and of course, like every Star Wars movie, you can dig through and there are tons of cameos in the background uh, as well as in the foreground. You can see all sorts of things. There's a lot to dig through. So I'm not saying it's not worth it if you are a massive Star Wars nerd, but if you're a Star Wars nerd who has a tendency like me to analyze these, this to me is your weakest bet. Uh, and that's pretty rough considering uh, my opinion of Attack of the Clones, which is the prequel episode too uh, i i actually prefer that to this one because at least i at least that one i'm not super bummed out when i get out of so thank thank you guys so much for listening to us talk about rogue one a star wars story we're going to follow up next week with a discussion of um the next uh sort of side story film that that uh came in in the canon solo which is uh, the origin story for han solo very very one of the most famous characters in american cinema history I want to say, please, write a review wherever you get your podcast. Give us all the stars. Rate us as high as possible. It helps others find us. Recommend us to your friends. That's actually like the biggest one. Share a link with us. You can also go check out our website and sign up for our forthcoming newsletter at cultandclassicfilms.com. Uh, that is going to be our new branding going forward. Colton Classic Films Podcast. So coltonclassicfilms.com. And I want to say thank you for listening and catch us next week. And I hope you have a, a good holiday, whether you celebrate it or not. And uh, we'll catch you on the flip side. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Colton Classic Podcast. This podcast is important to me, but what's more important are the rights, privileges, and freedom from violence of everyone in this country and in this world. And that means supporting Black Lives Matter. If you'd like to make a donation, please go ahead and visit coltonclassicpodcast.com where we have a list of places you can donate and help out. And please stay safe.